Hear now the Word of God for our sermon this morning from the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let us pray. Father God, here we come before your word this morning. Blessed to our ears. Let us delight to hear your word and learn from it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is an interesting verse of scripture because it's one of those verses where that inner moralist inside of all of us quickly says, okay, yeah, I get it. Stealing is bad. Giving is good. Got it? So let's move on. Let's Let's go to, to start eating, right? Let's have our meal. Wrap it up. I doubt anyone is here today sitting right now shocked at the fact that God does not like stealing. I mean, who would have guessed it? Don't steal. I mean, even an infant who has something taken away from them that they like, they grasp the concept that God that uh, tells you we should not steal. Yet, as so often is the case, it's not so simple. The more we look at a verse, um, and when it comes to the topic of stealing, the more we look at it, the more uncomfortable we can get when we realize how hard it is to actually honor this word from God. But where to begin? I begin right after college. You know, that, that moment where you're, you've got the, uh, well, at least for me, I had the boldness. I, I kind of wanted to, to travel the nation and, and find a, a city I wanted to settle in for my, my young 20s. And what it ended up being was Chicago. And I, I had some extended family that I could stay with in Chicago. And my car was loaded up with a bunch of uh, clothing and, and a lot, basically, most of what I own, most of my possessions. And um, I parked it next to a hardware store. I went up into the place that I was staying, and the next morning I came down to see my window bashed in and all my clothing taken away and all my possessions. And, and so it's one of those moments of theft that just stood out for me because we feel so violated with stealing, if we've ever had things taken from us. It's a, it's a violation of sorts. It's, a, it's a dis, being dishonored or disrespected. When it comes to theft, I don't think it's a coincidence that John points out in chapter 12, verse 6 of his gospel, that long before Judas ever betrayed Christ, he was, uh, had no problem stealing from the tithes and offerings. You know... Theft is a failure to respect another's value. And so it was only a matter of time for Judas to receive a bid to sell out Christ. Now for the ancient world, the classic negative idea of thief was that a thief was someone who was double-faced. In the ancient world where resources were scarce, people stealing things from you could honestly become the difference between life and death. Every worthwhile civilization and human history has some sort have had has had some sort of measure of way to stop stealing. In the ancient world, really, the only crime that was seen as worse was murder than theft. 
And so the classic idea of a thief was someone who during the daylight hours would appear to be a nice neighbor, a good friend, someone you could trust. And yet when darkness set in, and when the light of day was suppressed, thieves, these thieves would rob people blind. We still have kind of this concept in the term con artist in our own day. Thieves take advantage of people in their sleep, or in their hardship, or when they're occupied by something else. But now here's where I throw the sermon for a loop. We can quickly create a category in our mind where we say, okay, thieves are bad. Don't be a thief. Thanks for the sermon again, Pastor. Let's wrap up. Let's go uh, grab a meal. By the way, if any of you need a drink of water or something, I'm sure there's some out there for you. But can I point something out now that will make us a little uncomfortable for a while? Who is the greatest thief of all in the Bible? Satan. Satan. We want to say Satan. And yet there's this problem. Our Lord and Savior calls himself at times a thief in the night. For instance, in the parable, the binding of the strong man, which can be found in Matthew chapter 12, Mark chapter 3, Luke chapter 11, Jesus likens his driving out of demons out of the strong man's house as a form of plundering. Actually, when we really consider the parable of the strong man, Jesus sees the Israel he lived in as inhabited by Satan and demonic ideals and wicked men and women who were Satan's possessions. And Jesus sees his own work in in a way as saving individuals, stealing them from Satan's storehouse on behalf of his father. But maybe you're saying to yourself, "Oh, oh, Kevin, Pastor Kevin, you know, you're using a parable. Surely you're taking a lot of liberty here. And to that idea, my reply is the following. When the Word of God talks about Jesus' second coming, whether you're in places like Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 5, or in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10, or even in John's revelation in either chapter 3 or chapter 16, or several other places in the New Testament I could run to, what's the image constantly used to describe Jesus' second coming? He comes like a thief in the night. Jesus wants you to picture his return, that he's going to come into the world that's in a dark place, and he will return at first covertly, and then he will begin to take from Satan all our Lord desires to take from him. So yes, ultimately... While everything good, everything noble, everything lovely is ultimately and already the Lord's, still the thief imagery is what God often will use of himself. And so now that we've seen there's two very different kinds of thieves, how are we supposed to understand this idea of thief? Let me give you my own starting point for a definition as I wrestled with this idea this week. And I believe it can be this definition of the word thief can be applied both both to the negative idea of thief, to the Judas-like individuals of Scripture, but also, it can also be applied in a different way, in a different light, to the praiseworthy idea of a thief, that Christ is unashamed of calling himself. And the definition is this. Being a thief is being someone who is willing to take things in the darkness. Let me repeat that. Being a thief is being someone who is willing to take things in the darkness. 
So with that idea in the backdrop, let us begin looking at our, and return to our specific text this morning. Sorry, not used to the, uh, to the mic. So the passage begins with the thief steal no more, which means, of course, we have to shut down our Ocean's Eleven type robbery rings. But again, is stealing that simple? Or are there a great many ways we can steal? You bet. For instance, God has set a, asked us to set aside how many week, days a week for his sake? The bare minimum open up for debate is one. I don't subscribe to that view, but it's one. And actually, Hebrews 10, 20, verses 24 and 25 suggest that if we neglect to meet together with other Christians... We've taken from other individuals as well their ability to be built up in good works for the Lord and encouraging them. So when we fail to keep holy the Lord's Day, the Sabbath, have we not stolen time from God that He has, that he has asked for and from other Christians? How about this? On Wednesday, there's a consistory meeting. Let's imagine I decide for the consistory meeting, I'm going to go to the Phillies game. Everybody shows up for the consistory meeting except myself. I'm at the Phillies game. Have I not stolen from their time? Have I not robbed even my, my, the, the, the standards by which my terms of my contract are that I'm to be at such meetings? I'm not to be at the Phillies game? Would I not be a thief at that time? Of course I would. How about other things? How about doing the minimum amount of work required for a job? The bare minimum, so, and doing it in a subpar manner, a manner that we don't aspire to do our very best for. Is that a form of stealing from our employer? How about gossip? Isn't gossip another way of stealing? When we say bad things about another individual unfairly, aren't we stealing someone else's reputation? And often, why do we do things like God, a gossip? We do it to build ourselves up, up against someone else, and make someone else worse. It comes out of a, go- a combative spirit. How about this? Has someone ever lent you something? How often do we have we forgotten, for instance, to give something back to someone if they've lent it? I'm guessing we have. Isn't that another form of stealing? Have we ever bullied someone or degraded them? That's also stealing. That's stealing someone's inherent dignity. How about lying? Of course, we've all lied at times. Isn't lying stealing the truth? And I haven't even mentioned tithing. Pastors love this passage to talk about tithing. About how God has blessed us all with ability to work and to profit and to gain in this world. And he asks us to give a portion back when we fail to do that. Aren't we stealing? There's a great host of other things I could list, and and you begin to realize there is an abundance of ways we steal. And this passage no longer becomes that simple, short passage, but it becomes one that we really have to think upon. The more you think about it, I think we begin to realize how serious a problem this is. I think, honestly, if you went home and you read over the other nine commandments, I think there is a sense in which you could also see, the, if you break the other nine commandments, any one of them, 
you are in one way also breaking the Eighth Commandment of stealing. This is why the Apostle Paul in this letter can declare that in the congregation, this isn't written to people who don't know Jesus yet, in, in, not outside the church, but inside the church, there are still people living as thieves. The more we get into theft, the more we realize theft, unfortunately, has a broad application. But then let's begin looking at the second half of verse 28. It says that the good laborer does honest work with their own hands so that they have something to share with anything in need. Now, this second half of the verse tells us quite a bit of information. First, and I promise to try to make several political opinions feel uncomfortable for a little while. Um, I think that's a good sermon in one sense if it pushes against a couple political opinions. Um, But first off... Notice this passage expects a society that protects personal property rights. Your right and mine to own things. Actually, it was passages like this one in Exodus 20.15 which um, that the thou shalt not steal of the commandments that compelled our founding fathers of America to create the Fifth Amendment which protects all Americans' personal property rights. Even if for instance, communistic ideas, that even if they were not outrightly hostile to Christianity, because really a communist-style society always needs to make government out to be God. But even if it weren't, we as Christians could not embrace such collectivist ideals because they do not preserve personal property rights. But there is another assumption here, that ideally, in a working economy, people are paid a wage that gives them enough to bless others. Actually, the Bible has a lot of areas in which it assumes people should make a fair wage for their work. So, for instance, when we read a passage like 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, yeah, it tells us that the man who will not work and provide for his family and those by extension, he's worse than the unbeliever. We picture the, the lazy person who will not get up off the couch and, and go work. But also, by extension, there's a second truth connected to that. If that person does decide to work, they should be able to gain enough that they can share it with others and bless others. God's made an abundant world with abundant resources, and so we as Christians should not be content to see people truly working hard and still unable to provide for their loved ones. This week, of course, we had a great many people recognizing Juneteenth, which marks the end of slavery in the United States. And while it's disgusting that slavery is a part of our history, there is a sense in which the problem of theft, the sin of theft, helped create slavery in our nation. A wicked generation established a system not willing to honor the idea that all of those found working, they deserve to write to property, to a sustainable wage, as individuals made in the image of God. And so an ideal economic system is one that respects an individual's ability to gain personal property for themselves, and enough of it is gained and retained that through their own labors they can bless others. But of course, the principle being taught here is just not economic policy. Actually, at the forefront, it really is also a spiritual matter. And let's consider this on a spiritual level, even at the congregational level. 
Just a few weeks ago, this same chapter of Ephesians, it talked about the role of pastors like Bruce and myself as equippers and that how we're all called to be equipped to go out into ministry, to be someone in ministry. And so what is an immature Christian by the standard of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28? In one sense, an immature Christian within a congregation is one who takes and takes and takes, spiritually speaking, who asks constantly what the ministry of others is giving to them, but not how they can give to the ministry. Now, I don't say that to pick on any one individual. I know, for instance, uh, I can think of a time between uh, our move of Reno from Reno to Las Vegas where my wife took like a, and I took a spiritual sabbatical. We decided just when we joined our new church, we wanted to take some time from the Bible studies and the book studies, and we, and we kind of needed that moment to refresh ourselves. I'm not talking about that, but we still are called to an active and working role within the church, within the congregation. I would suspect that a great many members of our church, maybe COVID itself has helped us to have somewhat of a sabbatical, a vacation of sorts. And maybe we're feeling uncomfortable with getting plugged back into the church yet again, because being on a sabbatical is nice. But the reality is, at a spiritual level, we're supposed to work in the ministry so that we can share with others in need. And God doesn't just mean our money. So are you doing that? Am I doing that? Are we doing that together? Are we working spiritually for the benefit of others? To lead people more dramatically to know the Lord. You know, two weeks ago, I didn't have the best uh, week of my life. Um, Others in our congregation had a worse week than I did, but it wasn't the best week. I, like many of you, uh, found out on uh, the first day of the week, the Sunday, that Ed Pressman had passed. And um, obviously, uh, at first, I was disappointed. Uh, I could not be there. I was that I was on vacation, and uh, so that was disappointing. Um, then uh, made the decision, of course, to to cut short the vacation. But before I did on Tuesday, I had something happen with my eyes where um, something got into my eyes that at one point my former ICU nurse wife looked at my eye and worried was worried it was going to detach. And so I had to sit with ice on my eyes for about five hours, just kind of ruining this day that I wanted to do work at our, on our property up in Mahoopany. Then um, I came home on a Thursday, on Thursday night, on Thursday morning, we were greeted with a phone call about how Stephanie's stepfather lost his foot in an accident with a tractor. An hour later, I was in a car accident at the corner right there um, by the Waxhaw Post Office while driving to the Crestman's home in order to plan uh, Ed's funeral. And later on that evening, I found out that a member in the extended family of mine passed away as well. On Friday, we had obviously the uh, viewing for Ed, and there were a few other things that um, went on, and then uh, for a birthday present, of course, uh, on Saturday we had the funeral and another viewing and the burial service. And so, outwardly, it was a tough week, and yet I can tell you, at the end of it all, I wasn't depressed, 
I wasn't disheartened because all throughout it, people in the congregation had gone out of their way to be, in one sense, thieves, to steal away the darkness. So, for instance, well, right now my, ha- my household has no working automobiles. We've had more than a half dozen families offer theirs, offer to share their goods to, in order to bless us. We had people that were praying for us, people that brought meals over for us, people that took us out to meals, all these wonderful things where they saw that the darkness was, was encroaching and yet they worked and they helped steal away the darkness. They helped take it away. I, re- I remember talking with the Crestmans after the funeral. They said how remarkable it was to see the fact that people just came in a great outpouring of love for them in their great hour of need. And so that's the idea that we're, we're saying, I'm saying behind this idea that Christians can be thieves at times. When we see the darkness, we want to be people who strive to take it away, to remove it from both ourselves and from others in order that the light of love, God's love might shine through. So many people saw the potential for darkness to overwhelm during that week. And I just, and you worked hard for that reality in order to take it away. And so I thank you for that. And so, yes, a bad thief is someone who takes things in the darkness for the purposes of their own gain. But the more noble idea of a thief is someone who strives to take away the darkness itself in order that Christ's light might more clearly shine through. And you don't need a big balance and checkbook in order to accomplish that. All you need is a healthy respect for the image of God in one another. When we bear one another's burdens, when we step up to fill a role, to fill a void, and we don't participate in things like lying or gossip, we don't steal from God the portion he is due or his glory, and we give to those who work um, a good wage for their effort, and we don't neglect the faithful we are called to live in community with, and hundreds of other likewise examples. We become lights of Christ. We steal away the darkness like a thief in the night. Christian, what I'm saying is, if we allow Christ to be the model of our generosity, we are going to have an amazing model because he gave up heaven itself to be made utterly poor so that you and I might be made rich. That he might steal our lives away from the power of the devil so that one day we might be found rich through him. All of Christ's labor served a greater purpose. And while much ink has been spilled on the fact that Christ was crucified between two robbers, between two thieves, we can forget the subtle irony of it all. The fact that Christ had already promised that he came to steal something as well. And yet his his cross was not received because he stole from the Roman authorities or stole from uh, the temple guards or what have you. What he stole is the power of death itself over us. The power of sin. He He stole from Satan's storehouse so as to save us. And so that is our hope. Our hope is that when we see Christ... That we remember he is the one of the greatest heist of all time. He has stolen from Satan. He has beaten 
beaten him at his own game, so that you and I might be lights in the darkness. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that in the first Easter morning we see the reality that you have stolen the fear of death for us. That now through the light of Christ we have a living hope, a saving hope, a gracious and glorious hope that we will never pass away in this life. You had courage to come down from heaven. Had courage for our sake. You forsake it all so that we might be made rich in you. Help us then, Lord, to sacrifice and to give abundantly in our own life and the generosity you have provided us. Help us to have courage to also walk through the darkness in order to steal away others who were in the storehouse of Satan. Help us by us being able to share the gospel through the power of the Spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' strong name. Amen.